It's time for your local weekly analysis, Slow County Public Policy and the Law, with your host, Stu Jenkins. The Union Forever, hurrah, boys, hurrah, down with the traitor. Welcome back to Slow County Public Policy and the Law, only at K News 98.5. I'm lawyer Stu Jenkins. This show pulls back the curtain on the connections between state and local public policy and the law by bringing you the officials, lawyers, and activists working on your behalf. With years of experience in election law and elections, I'm pleased to bring in candidates from time to time to talk about their goals, character, and history. Naturally, we give equal time to all candidates. If you are a candidate or know of a candidate you'd like to hear from here at Slow County Public Policy and the Law, you can email me at stu, that's spelled S-T-E-W, dot Jenkins, J-E-N-K-I-N-S, at dimescentralcoast.com. Now, I am very, very pleased to introduce Eric with a K, Gorham, who has filed paperwork to run for 5th District Supervisor. Welcome to the show, Eric. Thank you, Stu. Now, I, I have to pause and let everybody know that uh, we are going to give equal time to all the candidates. I have invited uh, both of the other candidates. Uh, they have yet to respond. Mr. Gorham immediately said, I'll oh, come on. Um, <clears throat> but I have a few questions, Eric. Um, if you succeed in the election, who would you replace on the Board of Supervisors? Uh, this would be Debbie Arnold. It was up a uh, little guess when I filed. I was guessing that the lines were going to change, so I went ahead and uh, filed for five, even though at the time I was in one. But uh, I had a pretty good feeling it was going to change back with uh, the current board. Now, you, you reside in Templeton? Uh, now I'm in Santa Margarita. Santa Margarita. Actually. Okay, okay. I, I did notice on your papers you filed that the address was Santa Margarita. Yeah. So... Um, so that's not some campaign consultant who's running your campaign, is it? No, no, that's a 300-acre ranch out in Santa Margarita, so. Well, that's a lot to mow. <laughs> that's, what, <laughs> that's what cattle's for, believe me. Um, now, what are the communities that are currently in the, the new 5th district that looks a lot like the 5th district from 2011. Of old, yeah. It's, um, you know, for the most part, the biggest part is going to be Atascadero. You're going to have Santa Margarita, Creston. Um, I believe parts of Templeton are still in there, and I believe the new map stretches all the way to the border of uh, Santa Barbara County. Oh, my. So, but that's a very rural area out there. It's not we're picking talk, up. We're talking Soda Lake. Yeah, po yeah, it'll have Pozo, which isn't that far away from where I actually live, and that's where Debbie currently lives. Yeah. Um, and part is part of San Luis Obispo's in it as well, isn't it? Yeah, there's that little part that reaches in and grabs some student housing is basically what it does, uh, which um, happened 11 years ago. That, that's the Monterey Heights area and... Uh, Cal Poly part. Cal, Cal Poly, near Cal yeah, Poly. Yeah, it pretty much picks up student housing for the most part. Yeah, I know. My folks used to live up there, and uh, yeah. pretty much all of the yeah. housing well, we, has become... Uh, you know, student housing, even if it looks like a single-family home. Correct. So, well, um, didn't folks in a lot of those parts of 
San Luis Obispo County vote for supervisor just this last year? They did. It's, um, it's been interesting. I mean, right now we have three maps basically that we're running with. We have one for this election. We have one for what was it, District uh, 2 and 4 for last time. Debbie's still in her old district. John's still in her old district. So we're contending with three maps. It gets very confusing. Um, you know, Don ran, but technically Don ran in Adam Hill's district. I mean, it gets, when you put it all together, if you want to gla glaze somebody's eyes over and uh, ruin a conversation, try to t start talking the three <laughs> maps and who's where. Yes, well, people, people get upset about that. Um, let's talk about Eric with a K Gorham. All right. Um, where are you from? Uh, Paso Robles, so multi-generational family. We've been there since the 1800s. Um, technically, I guess it would be Paso Robles and San Miguel. The Gorham side was San Miguel. Uh, my grandmother's side would have been Paso Robles. And, you know, they had the, uh, my grandmother's side had what was called the car livery because cars were somewhat new. Sure. And, you know, horses, there was horse liveries. And, uh, they, so you'd, you'd garage your car at a livery. Yeah, they would garage the cars from the Paso Robles Inn right down the street. And uh, they also had the only uh, car dealership between San Francisco and L.A. Wow. What, what kind of cars did they sell? Buick. Buick, okay. And um, you live in Santa Margarita now. Um, you, you, yep. you, do you rent that ranch? Did you buy that ranch? I'm renting that ranch. I have... I go between Paso, actually, and Santa Margarita. The ranch is a deal that I'm trying to buy out, but currently we're renting the property or leasing it. Okay. Um, it'd be nice to buy it. It's somewhat, I've been working on it for almost two years now and uh, moved in hmm, the beginning of the year. And you're married? I'm with a very special oh, lady, but we okay. are not married. Okay. Any kids? I have five kids, actually. Five kids. Yeah. Right. So. How, what are their ages? Well, I have one grandchild, too, so he's seven, oh, wow. and then we go up to 29. Eric with a K looks quite young, so <laughs> um, I, that surprises me. Um, now, um, you've been in business for quite a while. You, you own a uh, landscape? Yeah, so I help manage a landscape company. I own a fertilizer company fertilizer. and then do ranching. Uh, I manage uh, operations for Madrone Landscapes in Atascadero mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. on the construction side. And then have a natural fertilizer company, and then I've been doing ranching and consulting um, throughout the country on ranching for a lot of years, along with uh, farming. And what, do you have a website yet for your campaign? I do have a website. It right now just has the, the um, you can donate right now. We haven't put the site together, but it was uh, quickly just a donation link, which is either Eric with a K for supervisor, Gorm for supervisor, or Eric Gorm for supervisor. They'll all lead you there, but we got to get some content up for you. Okay. Okay. So Eric with a K for supervisor.com. Yes. Yep. Okay. okay. And uh, that's the first thing, folks, that always goes up on any election campaign is the donation side. Right. <laughs> it takes money for sure, especially in this county. If you look in the last, uh, the last race with uh, Jimmy and Bruce Gibson and Bruce Jones and uh, Lynn Compton, there was a lot of money raised, especially on the Democrat side. I mean, I, I don't think anybody's raised what Jimmy's raised. It was phenomenal. Well, he, he did raise a lot of money. And uh, you've, I, I did, you know, before the show, I went and looked at the campaign filings so far in the race. And uh, you uh, have qualified your campaign, which means he's raised enough money, folks, to meet the minimum standards for filing. Um, uh, you, your opposing, 
You have two opponents. Susan Funk has also filed her campaign statement showing that she's qualified um, and has raised enough money. And then uh, Heather Moreno um, has filed a a notice that she's running, but she has not filed any campaign uh, committee statement, which uh, either means that uh, she's funding it herself, which you can do, um, yeah. or, or she's waiting to raise money. Yeah, and in this county, you're looking at a supervisor race. You have to raise around three to 400000 uh, to get going anymore. Just to get you, going. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it, it's, if you want to do it on your own, it's, it's kind of daunting. Well, and, and uh, I don't know, Eric, if people know when the election for supervisor is, and it's coming up really fast. Yeah, it'll be a March primary. It can be one in the primary. If it's not one in the primary by 50% plus one vote, it will go on to the general election. So the primary, I think, if I remember right, is March 5th. I believe so. 2024. So yeah. it's less than a year away. Yeah, and it's crazy with all these different elections that have been going. I was out in the hallway when your last guest left, and you know they just did a special election in Paso, and I think people are just like, why are you already telling people you're running? And it's like March <laughs> is not that far away. That's right. Well, you know, when uh, years ago I had a fairly major case uh, on uh, election law, actually went all the way to the Supreme Court and back uh, from this county. And uh, in that, I had to research the papers from 1873. (laughs) And folks, I can tell you there was an election every few months because people were really involved in their government. And uh, so they'd have an election for school board and then they'd have an election for county supervisor and then they'd have an election for city and they'd all be at different times. So... I guess we're getting back to the uh, early 1800s here. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, what's your education? Where, where did you well, go so I went to school in Paso. I went to Cuesta. I went to, when I first got out of high school, I went to Northridge, actually. Mm-hmm. So I was there for a short amount of time. I went back to school in the um, late 90s, just Cuesta. And it, since then... I'm one of those guys that I just take classes. I've taken classes from Harvard online. I just continue. I haven't, you know, I, I focus on what's interesting at the time at the moment, so I haven't tried to make anything. I'm happy with my career, I guess is what I'm, not, I'm saying. I'm not trying to go be something new, but I'm always trying to learn something, especially in uh, biology and um, at least organic biology because that's what my fertilizer company is. I'm always taking classes. and. Um, Tell, tell us the name of your company. It's Red Frog Compost Teas, and we do compost teas, which is uh, basically putting a high-grade compost in a bioreactor. It sounds really complicated, but it's not, and you're breeding biology because basically what feeds your plant is the biology in the soil, not the nutrients in the soil, because the biology has to break them down before the plant. It's plant available. So, and the, the jobs you work on from a drone are the uh, large commercial landscaping uh, yeah we do a lot well actually what most of what we do is large um residential landscaping really? i mean we're doing one you know right now that's uh you know a lot of these maybe 20 acres or more being landscaped a lot of them are um, california native and they're trying to be simplistic but you know these landscapes range from a hundred to a million dollar landscapes wow so you know how to manage money yeah, I do. I do. And it's uh, one thing about this county, I'm not sure. I think we've lost track of that, especially in the last few months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What uh, I suspect that anybody involved in those kinds of businesses is, uh, by their very nature, an environmentalist. 
Yeah, no, for sure. And I actually, I, I'm one of those few people that probably like land use issues. I've sat on different boards like TAG, um, which basically is all land use. Now, not all of our listeners are going to know what TAG is. Yeah, that's an advisory group for the county. You represent your city. I, like you said before, you thought I lived in Templeton. Well, I did. I just recently moved to Santa Margarita. Mm-hmm. And so I was on that advisory committee as the secretary for, I think, three or four years. And uh, basically, we advised the county as to what, and it's an elected position. Not very many people vote on it, but it is an elected position. And you come out and you, you basically are looking at different projects, giving the county the input for the, for the city, or for the, it would technically would be an unincorporated area, right. and trying to get our say-so in our community. So you'd have to take recommendations to the Board of Supervisors for Templeton? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it's interesting. I actually enjoyed it. And uh, we had a, a good group. We, uh, there was a lot of disagreement, and I actually liked that, being able to talk through it and figure things out and figure out what's best. And sometimes you have to roll back your decision, or some people have to roll back theirs and to get along and make the best uh, decision for the community. In your business or businesses, uh, what's the biggest number of people you've ever managed um so for landscape wise you're looking at like only around 35 um you know on the uh for the fertilizer company we do mostly outside sales you're still managing those people and making sure they're living up to certain standards um and that that you know the biggest point probably eight years ago or so six to eight years ago there's probably around 125 outside sales people that's quite a few so and, and we run a product that has to. You, it's it's hard for me to let that go, because it is a time sensitive project or uh, pro, <laughs> I'm getting tongue tied here um, product. And you know I had to keep our standards up and to keep our reputation in place. It was a lot of micromanaging of I hate to say micromanaging, but to keep our reputation where it is, it was managing just those outside salespeople with a full time job. Sure. Okay. All right. When you look at the county what do you see as the biggest challenge for the board of supervisors uh, if if you get elected the biggest challenge because there's quite a few of them um you know right now it's i I see fiscal responsibility kind of going by the wayside um i think like i said i i kind of like land use i think we need to simplify quite a few things um we it just cost too much to live here right now and part of that is the land use problems we have what, what the, do you mean by that what, what kind of land use problems are making it so expensive to live here well we have this the county i've never seen so busy on properties in my life i've lived in this county my whole life my family's been in building in this county uh, my great uncle who taught my dad etc custom home builders um the fees, the hoops you have to jump through, the environmental impact reports, I'm not saying get rid of them. I'm saying we need to find a way to streamline the process. They did a little bit years ago with ADUs, but the problem is is we can't afford to live here. You know, the people in my generation, the people I went to school with can't live here anymore because they can't afford to buy a house if they haven't already or buy property. And a huge part of that is just the fees and, the, and what you have to do or farming. I, I deal with farming constantly and ranching, and if you want to go and get a permit for farming right now with water with the, you know, we're no longer in the drought, but the infinite wisdom of our board of supervisors was to keep us in an emergency ordinance, even though the drought doesn't exist anymore. And if I can segue just a bit um, for our listeners, the California constitution has a bill of rights in article one. And one of those is the 
right to farm. Correct. So, that And you also have the right to the resources under your ground when it comes to water, and that's in the Constitution. And um, actually, it was in interesting because when they uh, were trying to revoke, the old board took away, they put in a new um, planting ordinance. And the opposition was basically saying, well, this is going to set precedent because... Where you're basically giving people their rights back, but there was hoops you had to jump through because of environmental impact. What set precedent was actually taking away farmers' water. Years ago, with this emergency ordinance that they made permanent, we actually effectively took people's water who farmed away from them. How would you solve and that? I, it's a hard one. Um, the old board tried to, the old majority tried to. I didn't really like what they were doing, but it was a step in the right direction. We were giving people rights to water back. The problem was with environmental impact. Um, there's all these weird offsets and a lot of the things weren't gonna happen, but the opposition, which is basically big money ag, it's wonderful company, it's Justin, I mean, those are the same two co companies, but it's Harvard Investments, et cetera. And they don't want you know me to grow on my property because they want the use to that water. There's a, there's a safe yield and they don't want to, it, part of the new ordinance was basically saying, well, everybody gets a part of that safe yield if we're in a drought. They didn't want to give up their rights because they have exportation dreams down the future. And unfortunately, we currently have a board that wants to give them that. They've actually set Harvard Investments runs the Paso Basin Group right now. The um, My mind's skipping out on the uh, acronyms right now. But, uh, <laughs> That's right. The, uh, but that's never, we've never given corporate interest and uh, Gibson did this. He basically he kicked Debbie and John off, appointed himself, and then gave up to chair to Harvard Investments, Matt Turrentine, which is just mind-blowing. You have somebody that wants to take our water, and we made them the chair. Yeah, where, where is... That's the, over the Paso Basin. Yeah, but where is he from? Um, well, I believe... That's what I want to know. <laughs> is he local, or is he, he from out of, He out of lives county? here locally. He represents Harvard, and I'm talking about the college. Yeah. Um, they have investments, all their investments in water. Actually, it's interesting because Harvard investment in water, and they say they're an ag company, but they're all named after uh, constellations, and their farming is not. So basically, it tells hmm. us why they're here. They're here for the water. And these are also, you know, big donors to a few of the board majorities. Uh, last campaigns, and uh, well, that that's uh, a problem that I hope you're going to be able to solve. Well, the water, I think, water is a huge issue. Uh, district five is a little bit uh, more than district, or less so than district one. But I think North you, County needs to be represented. How do you think that's going to get solved if uh, you're in a minority on the board? Well, that, that's a hard one. The majority really at this point needs to be taken back. It, it feels like we have one supervisor that's kind of taken the reins, especially when it comes to water. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I honestly look at it and I see pay per play right now. These people put pumped in tens of thousands of dollars into a campaign less than a year ago, and we're rolling back things. I mean, as soon as the man was elected, we started rolling things back. It will take a board majority at this point. Okay. Are there... Uh are there solutions for bringing more water into San Luis Obispo County one way or another? Into the county, there is. Um, the Paso Basin, every basin in every city is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. um, and we've done stuff over the years to help with that. You know, there was stuff that I didn't really appreciate, but um, that happened a few years ago because they all affect each other. When you 
pass different ordinances that maybe help South County, they may hinder North County. And it's hard to just say, you know, a few years ago we um, did one, I think uh, Lynn was the deciding vote. And basically her rationale, I, I find to be faulty. It, it didn't do what she said it did, in my opinion. This, um, this was Lynn Compton, the, yes. uh, the supervisor from District 4 yeah. at the time. But it opened up the door for water banking. It opened up the door in South County, in their mind, for moving water, being able to sell water if you're on the state uh, mm -hmm. water. Um, I never really saw how it changed anything, and it seemed like uh, we had three supervisors kind of, and that, that was uh, two Democrats and a Republican, but I don't think, I think what they were saying was very much flawed, and it ended up hurting Paso and the, and the Paso Basin in the long run. And how, what, what was its effect on the 5th District? The folks in Atascadero and So the effect Preston. is basically it, it opened up the door to water banking mm -hmm. because we had to accept Newsom's new rules. So when you change a rule when it comes to these uh, GSAs, et cetera, and that was the acronym I couldn't remember before, <laughs> the GSPs and the GSAs. Um, Groundwater service area, isn't it? Well, you basically like one's the plan. Okay. Have to, and then the, uh, the other one's the agency that implements the plan. Okay. Um, so it opened up the door in, in fifth and first district for water banking. We already have these groups, um, San, uh, Shannon San Juan, trying to basically eminent domain two places in the county through large ranches to pump water. That they, It's really a farce if you really looked into it. I won't bore you with it unless you want me to, but it's really a farce. They're saying there's some years there could be extra water that there's no way to capture, so we want to claim it and then store it in two reservoirs that we don't own. And then we'll store it there for years and one's owned by the count or the Army Corps of Engineers, the other one's owned by Monterey County. Nobody's gonna let this happen. Folks, uh, you're listening to Slow County Public Policy and the Law. We're here with Eric with a K, Gorham. And we'll be back after the news and a few ads. <laughs> 